Welcome to Season 2 of History, Books, and Wine. We're your hosts, Lori Ann Bailey and Eliza Knight. We love sharing, so pour a glass of vino, and let's dive into the past. Today, we're excited to have a guest joining us, author Georgie Blaylock. On this episode, we have Queen Victoria's defiant daughter, Princess Louise. Welcome, Georgie. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. We're excited for you to be here as well. So before we dive into this intriguing episode, we first want to talk about what we're drinking. Georgie, why don't you go first? Um... I'm pretty low-key. It's just Diet Pepsi. I'm addicted to this stuff. It's how I get my (laughs) caffeine. I don't do coffee, so Diet Pepsi. I totally get that. I used to have a huge uh, Coke Zero addiction. Uh It was really ugly. (laughs) That's how this is. My husband used to joke that he could tell how well a writing day was going by how many cans were lined up. (laughs) That's funny. That is funny. I'm I'm a former uh, Diet Coke-aholic. I drink that growing up and all through college. And then once I had kids, I switched over to coffee. (laughs) Yeah, I've never developed the taste for coffee. So it's always been, I used to do wild cherry Diet Pepsi, but amazingly enough, that was too sweet for me at a point. And so now Mm -hmm. it's just straight Diet Pepsi. When I'm being good, I do the caffeine-free version. (laughs) (laughs) You've got lots of variety. Yes. So I'm pouring a glass of a Truth and Valor Cabernet Sauvignon. It is You're kidding. And you are kidding. No. Oh my it's God. It's the same thing I have. You're drinking the same thing. <laughs> All right, don't keep going. I have to know if it's the, it's the same bottle. <laughs> That's hilarious. It's totally the same bottle. Yeah. So so people at home, you can't see. It's a, it, it has a lion and what is that thing on the other side? Is that a leopard? And so. a, a fruit tree at the top, but it's all dark and golden and yeah. very decadent looking. But I, I don't know why Eliza picked it, but I picked <laughs> Truth and Valor because I was thinking, oh, we're going with uh, Royals today. That's and it just kind of fits the... <laughs> well, that, that the label has a very like tapestry, like something yeah. you would find in a castle look to it. Yes, that's what I was going for. Like it's royal, castle and we have a very fun uh, royal type podcast for you guys today. That's, That's hilarious. Great. All right. So uh, we're going to go ahead and get into our questions. So you have done a lot of research on Princess Louise, the fourth daughter of Queen Victoria. Can you tell us a little bit about Queen Victoria, her husband, Albert, and how many children they had? So Queen Victoria, up until Queen Elizabeth, was the longest reigning monarch of England. And to the point, you know, the Victorian era is named after her. And she had nine children with Prince Albert, who was, I believe, her cousin. That's a lot. And what happened is is they had a very happy marriage, and they very much put... um, They were very domestic, but that was because of Prince Albert. Prince Albert had had a rather tragic childhood. His mother had run off with her lover and as a result was banished from his life. And so he never had his mother around and he had been very close to her. And I think she vanished right around when he was five or six. Mm. Whereas Queen Elizabeth had not had so much of a great childhood either. But being the monarch, she didn't have that freedom to really be more maternal. So despite having nine kids, you know, she was the monarch, her duties and her attention. And I think 
even her attitude towards herself and who she was, was not right. really mother focused. Whereas Prince Albert really wanted to create this very much a family atmosphere with all his children. So he was very hands-on. He was very involved. He was really, you know, like the, he taught them all. He had them all learning about art because they were, mm. as a family, they were very gifted artists. But also when you're the prince consort and the queen, you have access to the best tutors and the best right. of everything. And so that was something he really encouraged in all of his children. And what happened is he died. He died, I, th I believe, at 42. So, And it was rather sudden. He had not mm -hmm. been in great health most of his life, unlike Queen Victoria, who was had very robust health, but thought right. she was you know, constantly dying. He actually <laughs> did not have great health. And so he died. And that changed the younger children's lives forever because that very much, you know, that the father that was the more loving of the two parents was gone. Right. And what happened too is that Prince Albert, you know, when you're the queen, people don't like to tell you no. They don't like right. to tell you the truth. Yeah. So sometimes Prince Albert was the person who would step in and tell her the truth or the reality or check kind of her worst impulses, I would say. Yeah. And without that tempering influence, she, she, those were allowed to reign. And so, you know, she had her grief, but she, it became, the grief almost became an obsession for her and it affected all of the children that still lived with her. Because a number of the older ones were married and in homes of their own, or some of them were in the Navy and they were gone. But there were, you know, younger children at home. There was Princess Louise, there was her brother, her younger brother, Arthur, her youngest brother, Leopold, and then the youngest sibling, Beatrice, who was four at the time of Albert's death. And so they were all home. Oh, and Hel Helena, she was mm -hmm. um, Louise's the next above her sister. Okay. So they were all still there. And it really changed the tone of the palace because these children were forced to grow up in this deep and heavy mourning in which, mm. you know, everything was focused towards Queen Victoria's mourning. And on top of that, she's the queen. Right. And she knows yeah. that. <laughs> yes. And she made sure everybody else knew that, including her kids. Ugh. And so even though they were incredibly privileged because they're royalty, she controlled every aspect of their lives. And so, uh, so Princess Louise, she was the fourth daughter of Queen Victoria, and she was artistically gifted like the rest of her siblings. But what her preference was for was for sculpting, which Queen Victoria in some of her letters and stuff considered it a masculine art because it's very mm. physical. But Albert, when he was alive, had very much encouraged it to the point of hiring, you know, the best tutors for her and things like that. And so because... It had been Albert's wish that she study sculpting. Queen Victoria treated everything Albert wanted as kind of gospel. And so she allowed Louise to continue with her studies. But Louise wanted more than just making busts of her family for her family. She wanted right. a more thorough education. And so she became the first royal to attend public school ever. Oh, wow. And she, she attended the National Art Training School to study sculpting and art. And at the same time, she became friends with luminaries of the art world. Whistler, eventually Sargent, Malay, a lot of the pre-Raphaelites, just you know, like a who's who of art history for that time period. Mm -hmm. And and But she had to really fight to continue with her sculpting career. And she did have a sculpting career, which was also unusual because as a royal, you're not supposed to be entering into that kind of sphere, you know, um, competing professionally with other mm -hmm. people, especially not a princess. If she'd been a prince, maybe it would have been a little different. But as a princess, there was a kind of a fine line between having a professional career and 
uh, I don't want to say doing it for fun, but you know, <laughs> is it being a hobby kind of. And so she did a number of things she used to show in in different galleries and different shows. Uh, so a lot of the research I did, I would go on the British newspaper archive and they would talk about the different shows she was in and they would mention her pieces. And I wasn't able to find all of her pieces. I think some of them have been lost, mm. but there are a number that, yes, are still on display to this day. Wow, that's awesome. The first time I used Instacart was with my sister. We were baking cookies and I'd forgotten the butter. Instacart to the rescue. Now I even use it when we're on vacation so our staples are delivered right to our door. Save yourself that trip to the market. Instacart delivers groceries in as fast as one hour. They connect you with personal shoppers in your area to shop and deliver groceries from your favorite stores. Follow the link in our show notes and that lets Instacart know we sent you and help support our show. Plus, you'll get free delivery on your first order over $35. There's multiple stores available in most areas. Shop all your favorites on a single order. The products you love from local stores. Hand selected by shoppers based on your preferences. Delivery to your door in as fast as one hour. Instacart highlights deals to help you save money. Find everything you usually buy and get smart suggestions for new items. They pick the freshest produce and keep your eggs safe too. Let Instacart shop for you. So we love a royal rebel. (laughs) What ways was Louise a rebel for her time period? She, one of the things she did besides the art was that when it came time for her to marry, the habit had been to take the princesses and have them marry off, mostly to German princes, because they were Protestant. Mm -hmm. And Albert had had kind of this idea about how England would influence German and Prussian politics. So a lot of her older siblings married um, foreign princes and princesses and stuff like that. She didn't want to do that. She didn't want to leave England. And so she became the first royal since Henry VIII to marry a commoner. Wow. And, Ooh. And she's just rebelling in yeah, all the ways. She is. She just, she just was. Because I think she kind of had a personality, maybe like her father's, where she was able to stand up to her mother a lot more mm-hmm. in, in order to get what she wanted. Because her older sister, Helena, whose nickname was Lenchen, she did not have that personality. And you see that play out in the way her life is dominated by her mother and how she has to serve her mother even after she gets married. Whereas wow. Princess Louise, within the confines of her position, is able to kind of grab more freedom for herself. And so she, now granted, she married the son of a duke, but dukes and the aristocracy in Britain are not considered royal. They're considered the aristocracy. So mm-hmm. she married the son of the Duke of Argyle, who eventually became the Duke of Argyle. So she became the Duchess of Argyle. So that alone was shocking in, that she <laughs> did that, you know, just outside yeah. her art. Right. That's oh. wild. So of the pieces that are on display of her artwork, what what kind of pieces are there? They are sculptures and yes. what are they sculptures of? What did she, what was her favorite thing to sculpt? One of the most famous sculptures of hers is the sculpture of Queen Victoria. It's the Jubilee statue and it's in oh, yes. um, Kensington Gardens. So if you if you google it, it's a big white statue, uh, white marble of Queen Victoria and it's taken it's modeled after her coronation um, portrait. So it's her as like an 18-year-old. That it was her most famous piece. But if you go into St. Paul's Cathedral, there's a, a crucifix that she did for the, um, I believe it's called the Colonial Forces Memorial. Mm-hmm. And that's something that you can see. And then there's a couple other smaller ones. Uh, if you go on the Royal Collections on the their website, you can see busts that she did of Prince Arthur, one of her younger brothers, and and some other family members. 
And then there's, it's, it's in Scotland and it's, I can't remember which one it is, but there's a small church in Scotland where, oh, I, I'm blanking on who's buried there. Um, oh, it's Beatrice's husband. He who okay. died uh, somewhat young and she did a whole memorial to him. So that is something that you can see there as well. So the pieces are out there, but you kind of, you know, just have to sort of know how to look for them. I'm going to have to do like a scavenger hunt next time yeah. I'm over that way. Yes. Yes, for sure. <laughs> well, it was, it was fun because the man she ended up studying under, and then she became his lover was Joseph Edgar Bohm. And at the time he was very famous. And now, you know, nobody could tell you who that is. I mean, that's not true, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And so it was fun because I was watching a movie and they had filmed it in the National Natural History Museum of Britain. And in the background is the statue of Charles Darwin. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's the one <laughs> Joseph Edgar Bohm did. So <laughs> everyone's like, what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's so everyone's cool like, okay, when you whatever. see things that's like that. that that's really yeah, cool. Yeah, so that was neat. <laughs> that is really fun. Hello, listeners. This is Lori. And I'm here to tell you that podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners. We use Buzzsprout, and it's hands down the easiest and best way to launch, promote, and track your podcast. Your show can be online and listed in all the major podcast directories within minutes of finishing your recording. You'll get a great looking podcast website, detailed analytics, and more. Following the link in our show notes, let's Buzzsprout know that we sent you. Get you a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan and help support our show. Join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world. The team at Buzzsprout is passionate about helping you succeed. We actually love fun facts, so this leads us to the next section of our podcast where we ask you to tell us three fun facts you learned during research. Oh, wow. I think one of the biggest ones, and it's fun, but in a, you know, not a haha kind of way. But okay, so her lover, Joseph Eggerbaum, they had a really long relationship. And he he did die in 18, I believe it was 91. Mm -hmm. And she's actually the one that found him. Oh, no. Oh, that's yeah, sad. That's awful. Yeah. But there's also a lot of scandal about how it is she found him. Because yes, the that, rumors that are... Question. Oh, I want yeah, to hear the, the scandal. Are, so the official story that even came from the palace and that actually changed a number of times was that she went to his studio for an appointment and found mm. him. He'd, he'd had an aneurysm. Oh. The unofficial story, as told by Skittles, who was... Her elder brother, brother Bertie's mistress was that they were making love oh. and he died in her arms. Oh. oh. Which one and, do you believe? You know, I kind of tend to believe that one because yeah. it's just when you, I can't remember who did it, but somebody out, somebody in my research outlined like it, the, the evidence and it was one of these things you could only open the studio from the inside. Oh. She was there without a lady's maid. There was some story that Queen Victoria told in her journal, but it was different. It, like just the way things change, it kind of makes me think that, yes, that's kind of, I mean, maybe not exactly like that, but I, I do believe yeah. she was with him when he passed away. Yeah, it, it does seem like if the rumor is coming from someone kind of inside the family, then yeah. they probably exactly. have the backstory. 
Well, and also I don't necessarily always believe like the official story Mm -hmm. because that is always like what we want everyone to think. Right, exactly. (laughs) Well, it's interesting too because another fun fact is that most of her correspondence is in the National Archives in Britain and nobody's allowed access to it. And a lot of people think that's to kind of continue to cover up those letters relationship with Bone. But also there's some like this one I don't believe, but there, I mean, there's, you know, evidence for and against that she had a, a child, a secret child in when oh she was my. 16 with this other guy she had a brief fling with. I don't think that's true, but it's an interesting story, especially since nobody can get into the archives <laughs> right? look at her letters and papers, which Because you can so, see her mom's, right? Oh, yeah. You, I, yeah. I have books that were just filled with her journals yeah. and her letters. But even that, what happened is Beatrice, the youngest daughter, she basically spent her life as her mom's helper. Even though she did have a husband and kids, he passed away rather young. And so she was very devoted to her mother. And when Queen Victoria died, Beatrice went through those letters and journals and she burned a lot of stuff and she edited a lot of stuff. So there is so much missing, but you catch glimpses of some of this stuff in other people's writings and things like that. So Mm -hmm. it was fun to see. Like a mystery. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other thing that was really a lot of fun for me in fact wise is that she was good friends with Whistler Mm. and if you go to I think it's the University of Glasgow has Whistler's papers and they're online and you search and you can see letters that he wrote to her and none of them are that like in depth I mean you know like they're not dripping with scandal they're dripping with digestion I'm I'm (laughs) sorry I have to and it's just fun to see that to just see that kind of correspondence because there's I think somebody in a book pointed it out that Whistler was very good friends with Bohm. Yeah. And a lot of times Whistler would tell Louise to bring Bohm with her to an event. So he was Uh. talking to her in a way that suggested that uh, intimacy between her and Bohm. Yeah. So I I have a question. Mm -hmm. I don't know who Whistler is. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) No, no, but you know what? I'm sitting over here. I'm loving the names. Skittles, Whistler, Whistler. all about this. So if you've ever seen the picture of, it's called A Study in Black, but it's Whistler's mother. It's it's a it's a very famous painting of an elderly woman in a black dress, and she has a white lace cap on, and she's looking sideways. Okay. And it's an incredibly famous painting. He was actually an American artist, but he ended up living in England, and he's just one of the luminaries of that time. And if, if, you, if you Googled Whistler's mother, you would immediately recognize that yeah. painting. I'm sure I will. Thank you. <laughs> I feel like a lot of women posed like that after that painting, too. I think they did, yes. Yeah. And I use that in the book. That was fun, too, is having all the artwork to draw on. Yeah. Because even Joseph Edgar Bohm's stuff, if you Google it, you could pull up a lot of it. And there were just many times where he would have a piece that worked perfectly for a scene. And I do mention Whistler's Mother's painting in a scene. And so it was fun to just pull all that stuff in. Yeah, that is fun. So stemming off of that, I do have one quick question so are any of the siblings letters available in the national archive or is it like just hers that you can't go see i don't know that's a good question yeah i did read some of the uh, well okay so the one the one sibling whose letters you see a lot of because they were published what happened is her eldest sister vicky who married she was the mother of kaiser wilhelm Mm-hmm. So she and her mother had a, a tremendous correspondence. And when she was dying in Germany, 
She had all of her letters spirited out of Germany. She did not get along with uh, Kaiser Wilhelm. They hated each other, even though oh, she was yeah. his mother. They just hated each other. And so she got all of her letters out of Germany and back to England. Now, those you can get in books. Mm-hmm. And so I had a, about three or four books of those that you, I was able to go through and read. And you would see mentions of Louise there. But because of the age difference between her and Louise and the fact that by the time Louise came of age, she was already had already been living in Germany for quite some time. There wasn't that much. So yes, there are letters from her siblings, but not, not in the way there was stuff from Queen Victoria. Because gotcha. she was just so prolific. What was the age span, like the age span of the kids? Oh, wow. I think, see, at the beginning of the book, she's, she's 18. I want to say like, there's maybe a 10 year difference. Yeah. Because it goes, it goes Vicky, Bertie, I think it's Alfie, then Alice. I might have this wrong. <laughs> and then Louise. And then there's, then there's gaps in there. Right. Yeah. Louis, no, then Helena, <laughs> then Louise, then Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, can't, I can't even imagine. I have four it's kids so and I can't yeah, keep I know, up. Right? So nine is crazy. Nine That's is why crazy. Like, how long did this take? So she was like perpetually pregnant for like at least one and a half decades. Yeah. Maybe, she, maybe two decades. Cause she I had, hope she had I easy believe pregnancies. she was 38 when she had Beatrice, who was the last one. And there's a there's kind of a gap between yeah. Leopold, her youngest son. He was the one that had hemophilia. Mm-hmm. And then Beatrice. It's, but I would say maybe it's only a seven-year gap or something like that. Like, it's not a That's massive so long. gap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's still long. And yeah. and so, yeah, that was a lot of kids. Yeah. And the amazing, what, what what always kind of amazes me is that they all lived. Even yeah. That's Leopold, wild. I mean, who was a hemophiliac. And yeah. it's just, he lived until he, he dies in, I think, 1887. I think he was in his late 20s or early 30s, which was kind of unheard That's of at long, the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So for... All nine of them to live at a time when, you know, infant mortality was what it was. Shocking. It is. It really is. So tell us about your book, An Indiscreet Princess. So it's about uh, Princess Louise and it's about her struggle to become an artist within the confines of her role as a royal princess. And it's also about her clandestine love affair with uh, Joseph Edgar Baum. And how she has to kind of balance everything in order to follow her heart, but also do her duties. Sounds amazing. Yes. It was a lot of fun to write. What what are you reading right now? So right now I'm doing research for an idea on Francis Cleveland, who was Grover Cleveland's wife. Oh. And this president Grover Cleveland, he was 48 when they married. She was 22. Ooh. Wow. And she was the first lady. She was the, he was the first president to get married in office. Interesting. And so, um, and yeah, she has she had a really interesting wife. And, wow. And and part of what happened is is so Grover Cleveland was president twice, but not consecutively. So he was president, and then I can't remember who came in after, and then he came back. In his second term, he developed cancer in his mouth, Ooh. and they didn't want the public to know about it. And so, uh, because back then, I mean, cancer is like a death sentence. This is yeah. Eighteen ninety. Uh, three, mm-hmm. and at the time there was this huge financial crisis, and and 
A lot of people believe, you know, the health of the president is kind of a reflection of the health of the country. And so they had to hide this condition and this surgery that he had on this ship because they didn't want anybody to see it. Right. Um, and it was, it's just an interesting story. And so I'm it's actually at, like, her very intriguing. In and yeah, because I this is not something I had heard of until I ran across a book called The President is a Sick Man by Matthew Elgio. Mm. I might be saying mm. that wrong. But and it, and it and it talks about this, and I'm just reading this. I'm like, wow, that's fascinating. That is. But also, is. just you know, just seeing this yeah, very young first lady and how she deals with it. You know. Yes. So, I find not nonfiction right now. Yeah. 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 That, that makes sense. So you're jumping from because you've written several sort of like aristocratic and royal novels, and now you're mm-hmm. jumping to. Well, I mean, I guess it is technically like the aristocrats of the United States, yes. <laughs> not like first lady and president. But that's cool. Yeah, it was. I found her story not only through the book, but also when I was doing some other research about Gilded Age heiresses. You know, the Dollar Princesses. Yeah. That, yeah. And one of the Dollar Princesses was friends with her and went over oh. to England and married somebody with a title. I couldn't tell you who at this moment, but so it's all interesting how it's all interconnected. It the really Dollar is. Is are very cool. We're going to be talking it about is. that in an episode several months from now. But it's always really interesting to hear about those. We'll talk mm-hmm. more about those later. So. Oh yes. So where can readers find you? So I, uh, you can go to my website at www.georgieblaylock.com. I'm also on Instagram and at Georgie Blaylock. Those are the two main places that I'm at. And of course, all my books are on Amazon and all the usual places. But a lot of times what I, I haven't done it yet, but I'm getting ready to, is um, on my website, if you read some of my books, I'll, I have um, little pages sort of dedicated to some of the history So I'm getting ready to put up pictures of Princess Louise and Joseph Edgar Baum and all these and some of their artwork. And and if you want to see those now, they are on my Instagram. Awesome. Awesome. That's where I'll start my scavenger on reading. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Well, we really enjoyed having you here today. Yes, we did. Thank you so much for having me. I enjoyed it. It was fun. So to our listeners, we hope you enjoyed today's episode with our special guest, Georgie Blaylock. Next week, tune in to hear all about the scandalous Mitford sisters. Coming up, we have two haunted history episodes. I'll share the spooky history of the LaLaure mansion in New Orleans, and Eliza will give us the haunted details of Slane's Castle in Scotland. Also, check back because we're going to be having guest author Catherine Levesque. For more information about today's episode, click on the show notes. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at HistoryBKSWine for additional historical tidbits and updates. If you like what you heard today, please leave us a review. Thank you for tuning in. Be sure to check out our episodes published weekly on Tuesdays. Until next time. Cheers! And happy reading. <laughs>